Yes. <laughs> it appears I wasn't plugged in. <laughs> and a good morning to everyone and all those who are joining us virtually. A very warm good morning. May the 1st in the year of our Lord, 2022. We have a congregational scripture reading I'd like to read together with you all. John 3, verses 34 through 36. Shall we read together? For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And all ye men of tender heart, forgiving others, take your part. Alleluia. Our next song will prepare our minds for observance of the Lord's Supper.
Good morning. I wanted to read a, a scripture from Hebrews chapter 10 to prepare our hearts and minds this morning for the Lord's Supper. And it is talking about how uh, Christ had come and was the sacrifice for us all. I'll start about in verse 8. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will, Christ. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties, and again and again he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, which is referring to Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. So I chose this passage as a little bit of a different one today, um, mostly to get us to think a little differently and recognize really what this is about, is that Christ came and paid the price for our sins now and forevermore. Hard concept for us to grasp, because uh, we accrue debts as we live. Uh, we have to work them off, but the forgiveness has already been prepaid for us. So let us go in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that you sent us. You, you've paid the price for today, for the things that we haven't even done that we're not even aware that we're going to do, the mistakes that we will make in the future. You have covered these through the most ultimate sacrifice that could have given, your demonstration of love and grace extended to us, the willingness to put your son up there and pay a price for which he was not guilty. For those that didn't even want it, he paid the price. Father, we are, we are ever grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us continue in prayer and give thanks for the blood. Father, we continue in prayer thanking you for the blood that was spilled that washes us clean. Not only gives us forgiveness, but takes the guilt away so that we can look forward in what we should do and motivate us to do what is right and, and continue to, to strive for the excellence that you have shown us. Father, we are ever grateful for this gift that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. Today I'll be reading John 1, 32-34. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he was, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. At this time, our children may be dismissed two years to second grade. This will be our song before the lesson, if it's convenient. Shall we stand? Praise him. All right, we're going to be starting a new series um, in two weeks. So I wanted to do a lesson about John the Baptist because I felt like everything that we have been talking about on Sunday mornings and, and Sunday nights and, e and even in Wednesday night, you know, sometimes as a teacher, you got a lot of stuff going on and then you realize like you're picking stuff that for certain reasons in your own mind, and your own heart, and then all of a sudden there's this other message that starts coming through, and you realize, like, God is trying to do something in all of this, right? So, that's kind of where this, that's a trap. Somebody trying to trap me? <clears throat> I'm going to move this right over here. Uh, William probably did that. Always trying to trap me up here. 
So anyway, I realized that there's this message that keeps coming through in all the scriptures we've been reading, all the scriptures we've been reading. And one of my favorite things is when that happens, I can be certain in that moment that the message wasn't mine. There's no agenda. There's no, nothing coming from Matt Robinson in this. This was just like you sitting out there hearing it for the first time. All of a sudden, something hit me in a different way. And I said, I got to do this real quick before we move on. Because our next sermon series is going to be the church, the ecclesia. Um, and, and what it's supposed to be, what we were supposed to be, what we are supposed to be, right? Um, versus what we uh, tend to be based on our culture and things like that. So, John the Baptist is a very interesting guy. And he doesn't have a very long period of time in Scripture, but the Scriptures actually consider him to be one of the greatest prophets of all time. So there's a lot we can glean from this, uh, this man's life. So let's just jump right into it because we got a lot of scripture to get through and very little time. So Luke 1 is where his story starts. And I want you to understand that John the Baptist has some things going on. He is part of the birth of Jesus. Why? One, because they're relatives, right? Two, Because he has similarities to Jesus. For example, right here, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 13. What do you see? You see an angel of the Lord come to John, to, to John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, and tell him, hey, you're about to have a baby. Why is that significant? Well, because his wife Elizabeth is barren. They haven't been able to have children. Well, what does that sound like? Think about our study when we went through the Old Testament. How many times did a man of God come from a barren woman? Right? That's a very common theme through Scripture. Right? Because you can't deny that even the birth of the child was a miracle from God. Okay? So here's Zechariah. Here's Elizabeth. They're old. And she's barren. And the angel comes and says, you're going to have a kid. And then he says this, you will have joy and gladness, verse 14, and many will rejoice at his birth. We're going to figure that out in a second. For he will be, a, he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So he had the Nazarite vow going on, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him. In the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers of the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now, there, that's pretty awesome to be compared to Elijah. If you're a Jew and you're compared to Elijah, that's a pretty awesome thing. Elijah's no, no doubt to the Jews one of the greatest prophets of all time. Why was Elijah one of the greatest prophets of all time? One, because he didn't die, right? Because God called him up. And people look at that and say, Elijah was so good that God didn't even make him test death. What else was amazing about Elijah? How about the state of Israel when Elijah had to be a prophet? Was Israel in a good state? No, they were in a terrible state. They were in potentially one of the worst states Israel ever was in. They were doing the worst things Israel could ever do. They were literally running around killing all the prophets of God on purpose. 
They didn't want to hear what God had to say anymore. So please understand when we're going through this, John the Baptist is in the same situation. It's not just talking about John the Baptist is going to be this amazing person that is so good. It's also talking about the state of Israel that John the Baptist has to preach to. Don't forget, they're enslaved by the Romans. And I know in, our, in, our, in, in, in culture in general, in general the Romans and the, and the Greeks, they have been glamorized. But there's a lot of sinful stuff that happens in Roman pagan religion and Greek pagan religion that's going on in public at every town that's controlled by these people. And Israel's surrounded in it. They've embraced it. They're connected to it. Okay? So, we got to keep going. Here's some highlights real quick. Don't forget this. And think about what, um, what the angel of the Lord said. He said, John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. What about when Jesus, remember Mary, finds out that Elizabeth's pregnant, right? She's now pregnant herself. She comes over to Elizabeth, to see Elizabeth, and what does John do? John jumps in the womb, right? And then it says what? That Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. See that? John the Baptist has a reaction to Jesus in the womb, okay? And it actually fills his mother with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because John the Baptist was full of the Holy Spirit from the womb, okay? Verse 80, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance of Israel. Remember that. So remember the angel of the Lord comes and says, you're going to have a son, his name will be John. Right? So Zacharias at John's birth still can't speak. And John is born, and Elizabeth is telling everybody, his name's going to be John. His name's going to be John. His name's going to be John. Zacharias can't speak. And all the people are getting upset. Why? Because they think his name should be Zacharias. He should be named after his father. And his father actually goes and gets a writing tablet and says, his name is John. And as soon as he writes that, he begins to prophesy. John's dad is a very respected man. He's a very religious man. He is a great leader. He's not someone that people doubt. He's not someone that the day he stopped talking because he saw the angel of the Lord, people went, he's making this up. And the day that John's born, he starts to speak and prophesy. And that got a lot of a people's attention. That got a lot of people's attention. That's why there was celebration when John was born. So he stays in the wilderness from a child. And this is where he's wild. Could you imagine? Think about this now. How many of these guys are we going to let come preach at our church? He lives out on the wilderness. He's survivor man. You guys ever see that guy? He's survivor man. He's Bear Grylls, except for Bear Grylls, when the lights turn, I mean, when the, when the camera turns off, he goes and sits in his Winnebago. He's out there eating stuff you would never eat. He's out there living off of the land. He comes in in clothes that nobody else is wearing. Why? Because he killed it and made it himself. That's what he did. 
People look at him like, this guy's crazy. But you know what's amazing about John the Baptist? He's drawing crowds in droves. Look at this right here. It says, and he went into the region around Jordan, proclaiming baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet. So the prophet Isaiah actually prophesied about John the Baptist. It says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, he had to be in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain shall and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become very level ways, and all flesh shall, shall see the salvation of God. So that, that was the message, that was what his purpose was, that was what he was prophesied to be. Okay, in Luke 3 it says this. I skipped the part at the beginning where it talks about how all the people from Judea, all the people from Jerusalem are coming out to hear John the Baptist. They can't get enough of what's happening with John the Baptist. So now it's just like Jesus. Think about all these similarities you're going to see with Jesus, right? It's just like Jesus. Why? Because he came to prepare the way for Jesus, right? He's making such a ruckus that the religious leaders of the world are like, we got to go figure out who John the Baptist is. Who is this guy? Okay? And so they're there. Now I want you to see the message of John the Baptist. Because I think this is really, really interesting, right? He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, right? That was the Jews' claim. We have the promise. We don't need to do anything. We were born into it. And he looks at them and he says, For I tell you, God is able from these stones. You ain't no better than a rock. Don't think you're something. You're no better than a rock. If God wants to, he can take these rocks right here and he can turn them into children of Abraham. You are no better than a rock. This is what he's saying. He says, you pit of snakes. Not just any snakes, you poisonous snakes. Right? And then he says, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. God's about to chop down your tree. And if your tree doesn't have any fruit on it, it's going to be burned up. Woo! That's some fire and brimstone, y'all. Right? Everybody's, I can see everybody's face. Everybody's already like, whoa, this is kind of heavy right now. Yeah. And yet everybody's coming out. Here's another interesting fact. How many miracles in the Bible does John the Baptist do? How many miracles does John the Baptist do? How many is recorded that John the Baptist does? Zero. That's the obvious answer. The answer is zero. But he had droves and droves of people coming out to hear him. How many times did John the Baptist go to the temple? As far as we know, he doesn't. He lived in the wilderness, right? It actually, the scripture is pretty clear. He lived in the wilderness from a child till the day he came out in public to announce Jesus. Why wasn't he at the temple? Well, you saw what happened when Jesus went to the temple. State of Israel. Right? 
And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do after he delivers this fire and brimstone? And he answers them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. What does this sound like? Sounds like the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't it? Isn't that right where Jesus started his teachings as well? If somebody asks you to go one mile, go an extra mile, right? Someone asks for your shirt, give them your coat as well. Someone strikes you on the face, turn the other cheek. Right? Then he goes into people's personal lives and he says, hey, you know what? Because of who you are, you're going to struggle this way. And because of who you are, you're going to struggle this way. And because of who you are, you're going to struggle this way. And he uses a tax collector, a soldier, and you go down the list. So I jump to John chapter 1 because at this point in time I feel like the story gets a little more detailed in John's version. Luke carries this whole same story. John the Baptist is in every gospel. Some more detailed than others, certain spots more detailed than others. Right? So John says it like this, and this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, this is that moment, same moment, okay, to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answers, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give, look at what he said. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. Right? Starting to sound even more like Jesus, right? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. That's an assumption. I'm just going to put that in there. That's an assumption. I can't, can't fully trust that. The parentheses means... It's not in the oldest of the uh, text. But I think, I think that's a good assumption. They asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, Jesus answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Then why are you baptizing? Why, why did they care so much about baptism? What was that even a thing? Why are the religious leaders at the time saying, hey, if you're not this guy, you're not this guy, you're not this guy. Why are you baptizing? Why do they care about that? Do you find baptism in the Old Testament? Isn't baptism a New, con new Testament concept? Uh, to an extent, truth be told. There were definitely ceremonial cleanses, cleansings in the Old Testament, specifically for the priests.
So when you realize what's going on, let me, let me, let me explain something else to you as well. You, you know that the Levites, they lived in a certain area of town, right? You know that they had their own special entrance into the temple, right? Because if a, if a priest came in contact with, for example, a woman who had just given birth, they were considered unclean. If they came in contact with a leper, they were considered unclean. If they came in contact with someone who was bleeding, they were considered unclean. So they had their own way into the temple. And on their way into the temple, they had what would look like baptismals. That you would walk in one side and come out the other side. Why? So they could cleanse themselves on the way to the temple. If you go to Israel right now, and you go to the temple, you can see those still to this day. That's why they're worried about, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing, John? What are you doing? Trying to make everybody like us? Who are you to do that? The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me. Because he was before me, right? In the beginning it was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was... Right. I myself did not know him. But for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Now look what John just said right there, because that's a very interesting thing to me. He said, I didn't know him. They're related. How do you not know him? You know what he's saying right there? At least to me, my interpretation of that is? The only time before this moment that Jesus and John were ever in the same place was when they were both in the womb. Why would that be? Well, one, because through the prophets, right, through the prophecy, John was called to the wilderness. And he was there from a child. Why else would that be? Well, it's kind of convenient that he picks his relative to be the Messiah. But everybody knows he doesn't live a normal life. He doesn't walk in normal circles. He doesn't come out of the wilderness. He doesn't know his own family from the next guy in line. But as soon as he sees Jesus, he calls him the Lamb of God. Why? Because John was the one that baptized Jesus. Right? And he'd already been told that you're going to have this experience with this person where you're going to see the Holy Spirit descend on this person and not leave. Remain. And he says, I saw that. This exact thing happened when I baptized Jesus. This is what I saw. Right? We remember that part, right? Spirit descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove, right? A voice from heaven comes out and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Then he says, I'm telling you right now, this is the son of God. This is the Son of God. 
The next day, he's hanging out with a couple of his own disciples. Here comes Jesus again. He looks at those disciples and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. Remember how I told you guys I'm not the Christ? I'm pointing to the Christ. I'm pointing to the Messiah. I'm preparing the way so that when the Messiah comes, everybody knows I've been telling you that the Messiah is coming in our lifetime. Start to pay attention. Get right with the Lord. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. By the way, that's John's message. Guess what else is, guess what else is the beginning of Jesus' message? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Right? He says, behold, the Lamb of God. These two disciples, they go chasing Jesus. They leave John, they go chasing Jesus, right? Just so happened to be two of the three of the first disciples of Jesus were John the Baptist's disciples. They came from his group. But when he pointed them to the Lamb of God, they left. And went and followed Jesus. Andrew and Peter. So here we go, we're getting to the end. Now we're in that awkward moment, right? You got John baptizing on one part of the city, and you got Jesus baptizing on another part of the city, and and. Listen, they both are bringing it. People are coming from all over the place to be baptized by these two individuals, right? But what's happening is, is John's baptizing people, and then they are leaving and going to Jesus, right? And his disciples, they're coming over to John, and they're like, uh, we got a problem. We got a problem. Everybody who's coming over here is eventually heading over there. Like, we're losing our numbers, Just in case you didn't believe me, I didn't get to that scripture yet, right? We're losing our numbers. All are going to him being Jesus. John says probably the most important thing that he's going to say in all of scripture to his disciples in this moment. Because what was John here for? What was his purpose from God? What was he announced to be at birth? What was he announced to be thousands of years ago by the prophet Isaiah? What was he announced to be in ancient times? What was he announced to be before the creation of the world? See, the whole gospel was already prepared before the creation of the world, John was an important part of this. He was going to be the one to bring everybody back to God, to prepare them for the Messiah. He had one of the most important roles of any prophet at any time ever in the history of mankind. That's what he was supposed to be. And he did it perfectly. Like I said, he didn't have miracles as far as we know. He wasn't the type of person that the rest of the culture was looking at going, dude, I, you know what? I want his life. They weren't thinking that. They're at home eating bread, hanging out in the AC. Oh, wait, that wasn't there yet. 
while he's out in the wilderness trying to survive, living that radical life. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing, anything good that you've ever received, anything good about you, all your favorite qualities that are in you. Right? Not just what you get in money and material. We're talking about all the deep stuff. He says a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. All that amazing intelligence you have, all that social ability you have, all the, all the ability you have to memorize, all the ability you have to have compassion, right? All these great things about you, not one of them came to you unless it came from God. That's what he's saying. Look, everything that I am, every good thing that's ever come out of me was put in me by God, right? I think that's such an important part of this whole lesson that we've been talking about over the past several weeks. You yourselves bear witness me, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. You know what he's saying in this moment? What are you panicking about? Why are you panicking? I've been telling you this the whole time. When he showed up, I told you it was him. Some of the smarter guys, they already left. What are you still doing here? I mean, seriously, I'm being a little, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, that's fine. But that's what he's saying. He says, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. Right? What's the bride? The church. John's not, John doesn't have no church. He does not have a church. He wasn't building a church for himself that was going to worship him. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's wedding. He's saying, I'm the friend at the wedding. I'm watching the wedding happen. I'm pumped. Therefore, this joy, is in, this joy of mine is now complete. Why does he say that? His job's done. He knows. He has done his job. Jesus has arrived on scene. He has done what he could do to prepare the way for the Messiah. That is done. And what's he say? Maybe one of the most important lines that he ever uttered in all of his life, at least to me, in all of Scripture, he says, he must increase and I must decrease. You know what? There's not a person in here who doesn't need to be able to say that exact same thing about their own life. That is the purpose of our life. That is the purpose of dying to self. That is the purpose of being born again. So that I can get out of the way of what Christ is trying to do through me. That's the purpose. Every day, trying to become less of Matt Robinson and more of Jesus Christ. Every day. You ever go through that in your own life where you feel like you're just, uh, uh, you're starting to buy into this so much, you're like losing yourself a little bit? That's a good thing, not a bad thing. The world will tell you that's a bad thing. I'm telling you, that's a good thing. 
The more you look like Christ and the less you look like yourself, that's a good thing. Then he says this. He makes the declaration. He who comes from above is above all. Christ is above all. He who is of earth belongs to earth and speaks in an earthly way. He's talking about himself right there. He says, look, I can't even hold a candle to this guy. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. So here he is. He's got the outside angle. He's got all the information nobody else has, and he's trying to share it with the world, and nobody wants to hear him. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. That's it. That God is true. Is God true to you? Are you convicted that God is true? Are you convicted that the gospel that you have been saved by is the truth? And if so, then why wouldn't you want to be more like Christ and less like the world every single day? Why do we try to find ways to marry the Bible with the world? So that the message that we preach is more attractive, so it's easier on our ears? So we can be satisfied with ourselves a little bit quicker, a little bit easier? The gospel has been watered down for years and years and years. This isn't something new. And this is what he says, the father, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Yet again, John the Baptist in true form, fire and brimstone. He's just telling you the simple truth. You, on your own, will never become what God has prepared you to be. You got to accept him. You got to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have to confess him, which means not just keep it on the inside, but share it with others. That's what you have to do. Right? You have to die to yourself being buried in baptism. You have to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I baptize with water for the forgiveness of sins, but one's coming behind me that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You have to receive the Holy Spirit, God dwelling in you, you becoming the temple of God. This is all part of the message. And then you got to live every day. Not perfect. Thank goodness, because nobody in here has ever accomplished that one day. But certainly trying to become less of me and more of him. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood? Man, it's life-changing. Not in a moment. Throughout your entire life. Every single day. You know, when the spirit moves, there's a rushing wind, right? I don't know how to follow that, so I'm just going to say this. For many of us, we have. For many of us, we have already accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
We already recognize that truth. I'm just going to say this. There's always something we can be working on. I'm not saying pick yourself apart. I'm not saying beat yourself up. But I am saying be honest with yourself. And keep trying to move in that place where you are less of yourself and more of Christ. If there's a need to respond to the invitation today, please don't hesitate to come as we stand and sing. Morning. Thank you for joining us here uh, for worship or joining us at home on your own orange carpet. Um, powerful message of finding the way to Christ, finding Him, uh, obeying to the gospel, obeying the gospel. Uh, it's always a, a positive thing, being less of us and more of more of Him. Um, notes coming. Something else. A phone. Oh, somebody lost her iPhone. I'm an Android guy, so I have no use for this. Our, our spokesmodel here. That's always awkward. It's, it's, it's something like that. Here we go. Problem solved.
wasn't any cash or credit cards in there with it, was it? All right. Um, I don't have a bulletin right here in front of me. Um, I know that Thursday, the late uh, Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday, that the, uh, the daytime ladies Bible class will have their end of the year luncheon this week, right? Yep, they're going to have their end of the year luncheon. So uh, probably contact Sue or Susan about that if you're part of that group. I think it said all ladies welcome. So if you're free, come on down. Um, what else? I know in the prayer, uh, in the prayer list, um, Pat Ortiz had surgery on her back. She is uh, doing better. She's in Sea Pines. I talked to Don this morning. He's, he's down there in Sea Pines recovering. That's uh, probably the best place in the county to do rehab. So he's got her in a fine place. Uh, pray for Pat. Pray for Don. I mean, that's a, if you've driven to Melbourne on a regular basis, you know you don't really want to, especially if you're doing it every single day. So, um, Betty got tests back. She had genetic testing, and that didn't, that tested negative, right? So that's good news for Tessa, probably, I guess, probably, right? That's great news for Tessa. Um, she's going to have an MRI coming up in a couple weeks, right? You already had the MRI. Sorry, there's more tests to come? No, you got surgery coming up and then followed by radiation. Okay. Um, there's several other surgeries that are listed here in the bulletin and the sick list that are coming up. I know there's somebody's got one on the May 5th in there. Um, Megan Duffy's got some stuff that's co coming up. Um, so pray for those people. Uh, keep them in your hearts and minds. Keep them in prayers. Uh, tonight, Matt's going to speak again from Ephesians 5. Uh, it's a mask-required service because some of the people that come on that, that's still what's best for them. So it's a great chance to pick up your cross and help uh, support. Be there to um, bring, lift one another up. On Wednesday night, we have Bible class here. Matt's been teaching through 1 Corinthians, and he will be in chapter 4, chapter 4 this week. So that's about it for now. Um, that's it. So anyways, it's good to see you all. Um, Uplift each one, one another. Encourage one another. Help us through the tough times. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the world trying to tear us down to its level. Um, be with one another to bring us closer to Christ. Wishing everyone a great week this week. Our closing song today is going to be soon and very soon. Uh, Marie is under the weather to get today, so she probably won't mind me telling this story. But uh, 12 years ago, in May, May the 4th, she and I were married at the um, old courthouse fountain in Deland. And about a week and a half later, we went on a mission trip to Costa Rica. Some honeymoon, huh? Well, it was an awesome trip. And um, our mission was to uh, have children's uh, vacation Bible school, and we built a wall around the community uh, building. It was a concrete floor with a tin roof and not always walls. Anyway, it was an awesome trip, and we built that wall, uh, wall around because the, in the backyard, uh, the slope went down 200 feet to a small stream. Well, where I'm getting at is come that Lord's Day, we went into the capital, San Jose, and uh, worshiped at a Church of Christ there. And um, though not our custom, their custom was that on some songs, they had ladies dressed in white with white banners, 
beautifully dressed conservatively and they danced while the song was being sung. It was quite amazing and beautiful. Well, this song today, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. And if any song would want someone to would, uh, possibly in, make someone get up and dance in the aisles, it would be this song. Because the day is coming when the trumpet shall sound and the Lord shall ascend and the dead in Christ shall rise first and those still living will join them for eternity. So, we'll sing the first verse slowly and the second verse faster. Shall we stand? so thankful that we could come today and be in each other's presence, presence of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to worship you, Lord, and to sing praises to you. Lord, please help us to, to step outside of ourself and to become more like Christ. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Lord, please be with those that have illnesses, Lord, we thank you for the great news for the members here that are currently dealing with issues. Lord, please help us to realize that Christ's sacrifice is so amazingly huge. It's just beyond understanding it sometimes. And without that sacrifice, Lord, we wouldn't have a chance to be with you. Lord, go with us this week and help us to spread your word and to bring those to you through your son. And say this name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.